We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. to another edition of the Rock Pile Report live on Twitter Spaces. I am your host, Bill season ticket holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. In studio with us, Anthony Prohaska from CoverOne.net. Guys, I- I'm pumped that we have... First of all, Chris, i got to tip my hat to you. And I don't like to give you praise for things. Nothing makes me happier than the fact that you figured out how to do this. Last week hard. turned out great. Doesn't take rocket appliances to figure this out. I understand that our audio might come in a little bit low, but that's for podcast purposes, folks. We're here to talk to you about Bill's topics this week. And I love the fact that we've got a guest in studio who can finally see, like, how... Anthony, how crazy is it that we figured out how to run this through the microphones? I'm genuinely super impressed. Like, yeah, I don't understand how you guys have MacGyvered it. You ran me through it, and I grasped it, but I'm still It's impressed. a podcast live... On our Twitter, and anybody that joins the space can request to speak, which is sweet. And then, but then, how you've connected it to be able to still run through your awesome audio setup and studio setup that you have here, I'm impressed. Yeah, well, you know, you can take our idea and run with it. <laughs> you guys can do what you want with this, but uh, here's what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to start with a conversation. I saw, I saw something on Twitter, Uber Facts. It says, "What was something you were warned about as a child that you now feel was exaggerated when you're an adult?" Chris, what was something that your parents told you to be worried about as a kid that never materialized? You. (laughs) (laughs) They they warned you about hanging out with people like me? Yeah. (laughs) I didn't even know you. That's that's how bad you were. (laughs) What about you, Anthony? My grandma used to always tell me not to stand in front of the microwave when it was cooking because it would, like, burn my eyes out. And I still do it to this day, and I think I'm all right, knock on wood, so maybe that one. You do wear glasses. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. but I, I mean... 
Do we know though that, that <laughs> do, do we definitively know that it's not because of the microwave? How do you know these are actual real frames and they're not just for look? Because I feel like if they were for look, you'd pick better frames. We don't know what's really <laughs> mean. <laughs> That's really hurtful. Boom! We this, this, is, this has been fun. I'm out. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know what you do for work. But if those were just windows, I would assume you're a Starbucks manager. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I wish I was, so that way I could just be like, I am a Starbucks manager. That's hilarious. You know what's funny? You've been here for uh, you've been here all night, and I haven't asked what you did for a living. I work in logistics. Jesus. Here, I, I was ready for something exciting. Logistics. Also, I'm a chemist now. Uh, yeah, I just work in logistics. Also, just, I'm Batman. <laughs> just like, right? I'm Batman. Also, I like um, no, dress up in this suit and save the world. Chris, mine was don't talk to strangers. Don't talk to strangers was something I heard my entire life. I still don't talk to strangers, though. Here's the thing. I spent the better part of my life. I'll say from the age of 21 to the age of 30 when I met my wife. Legitimate barfly. Like... When I say barfly, I mean you walk into a bar and there's at least five people there who know you without even actually knowing your real name. They just know mm. you. And someone, someone buys you your first beer, mm-hmm. you're a barfly. That's I fair. did that for a decade. And I'll tell you what, strangers rule. Mm. I tweeted this out, actually. Mm. Strangers pretty much rule depending on whether you have a higher blood alcohol content than them or not. <laughs> and strangers are the best and that's what i love about this spaces thing is that mm-hmm. it gets us to it gives us the latitude to talk to strangers if we feel like it mm. some of my best so some of my best friends were guys that it's actually really funny because it's one of those things chris we've met bruce in person how many times bruce nolan he's been <gasps> here he's been here at chris's place we've his, seen him in person uh, yeah. we've been with to bar bill with him his wife has been his, in my apartment his wife has what been. yeah and the funny thing is, people are like, wait a minute, you you met him and you didn't ask his real name? Guess what? Barfly mentality. I don't need to know your... I, I need to know, are you a good time? Okay, that's all I need. I don't actually have to know anything about you. It's why I didn't ask what you did for a living. Strangers are cool. I can talk to strangers all day long. <laughs> I'm in shock that you've seen Bruce. Yeah, and, I, and you know how many questions I asked him about his personal life? Zero. Because I don't care. No. We're just here to do business, dog. Like, not even here to do business. I'm here to have a good time. Can you drink a couple beers, have a good time? Barfly. Then guess what? You're my guy. Barfly. Cheers to you. Cheers. Chris, cheers to you and yeah. your fruity drink. It's in a hurricane. To another Rock Power Report Live, where hopefully we'll talk to some strangers tonight, get their opinions on some Bill's happenings. Chris, we <laughs> as we start every one of these, the best and worst headlines of the week. Because I am good at three things. Fighting, screwing, and reading the news. For me, I've got a good one here. On a positive note, for Drew Gear, uh, the combine happened, and running backs, running backs, uh, a little bit of spit in the eye of the combine. Every year I sit here openly rooting for a string of fire alarm poles and power outages just to knock this whole, uh, just, just to disrupt this whole dog and pony show. And... I'm always disappointed. It never happens. But this year, there was an interesting wrinkle where the running backs refused to do three-cone drills. Mm. In mass. <laughs> in mass. This thing, you love the combine, don't you? Yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think some of it's starting to get really outdated, and they're going to have to change the nature of it. As they're not only going to have to change the nature of it, but also it's become such a commercialized product that it's becoming a detriment to the players involved. And you've got guys now who, like, they finish their college football season, then they go to these facilities and they just train to run 40s and they just train to do three cone and shuttle. Like, And so you've gotten to the point where guys are 
now elite at these drills, but they still might not have football functionality. And so I think it's just added a layer of, I don't know, you got, I, I would just take all the best players and make them go one-on-one nonstop for like an entire three days and go super intense. And I think you bring them in and you do that. the complete opposite. You go American Gladiators, nothing football, nothing involved with football. You find out who oh, they are that. as people. You really put them in the pressure cooker, the crucible of combat. And you say, listen, okay. American Gladiators, you're both going to get in the giant ball cages and roll around at each other for a week straight. And they go, wait, what? A week straight. This is how this is how you figure out who's fit for the NFL. What you, what you do is you move the combine to Buffalo, and then one of the D-line trails is they just bounce at Brick Bar. <laughs> <laughs> and you just see see how they work a door. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's, that's one of the drills. I will say Buffalo is home to some of the rowdier drunks in, in all of America. Uh, I mean, they've got nothing on Florida, mm. but they're up there. Yeah, they're rowdy. Um, mm. But no, so it did, it made me happy that finally some of this is crumbling, because I feel like the NFL, as a practice, they they, they want to make money. Yeah. But they've expanded the combine into a mess that it doesn't need to be. And it's starting to become Mark Cuban had said about the NFL a decade ago. Um, what is it? Uh, pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. Oh, the dark. NFL has been a hog for decades. Mm. It's why they're the most successful North American sports league. But when you st- you're, you're going to reach a breaking point, there's a mm-hmm. watershed moment. And I think it was this year. Mm. When the running backs in mass said, fuck your three cone drill, it's too late in the day, we're dehydrated, we've been out here all day, we're, none of us are going to show well, collectively we're going to skip it. We want to go home. And we will see you in hell. I Come to our pro day if you want to see me run a three cone. Mm. I like that. And I've, I've wondered this, and since you're a draft, uh, I mean a uh, combine guy, I've often postulated what... Has anyone done any research to show that combine metrics are any more reliable than pro day metrics? Oh, I, I don't know if anyone's done that. I will say I think that people are looking for any variability between the two things. So if you have a good showing at both, it increases your odds of being like, okay, this guy has sustainability to his game. Or if it's the opposite, you've shown something in one and had a completely different result, positive or negative, in the other, there's potential like red flags. And I think that's where it stems from continuing to have both. Also, people usually, there's that home field advantage piece to pro days. So I feel like there's, you put everybody in a neutral setting like a combine and see how everyone tests rather than just seeing, having the players kind of set themselves up for success at a pro day. Boo. Sorry. <laughs> Why are you apologizing to me? I'm an asshat. I'm out. I'm out. It's been real. It's been real. I love how he was like, oh, if I'm allowed to stay for the live show, of course you are. I'm going to bounce some really absurd ideas off of you. That's fair. I like it. Okay. Now, I'm just happy that the Combine got kind of its just desserts. Mm. And I think that hopefully this sends a message. I don't want it to get worse because I think it, for as much as I hate the spectacle and as much, because again, like I talked about last week, the average fan puts way too much stock in what the Combine is. True. Oh, well, this guy is 40 time. Do you know why that's important, though? Because if you don't, don't talk to me about it. Also tape over everything. I don't care what his 40 is. I want to see what he does in games. So with that in mind, I just I look at stuff like this and I go, you know what? Maybe the NFL needed to see that they've they've gone too far with turning everything into a money making spectacle. They crossed the Rubicon. Yeah. And they got a firm rebuff as to why. Hmm. Like, look, you're putting these guys in harm's way now. For their professional careers. Hmm. And in mass, they got together and said, hey, we're not going to stand for this. And you don't control every single variable here, NFL. You can schedule whatever you want, 
ultimately, we're the, we're the show. Mm. And without us, you don't have anything. That's also kind of happened with the proposed bubble idea that they yes. had. And then all the players and agents were kind of rebelling against it. And then after like a day and a half, they were like, okay, no bubble. Okay, fine. We're sorry. <laughs> oh, we were just kidding. We'll yeah. walk you back. It was a joke. I think that that's good for the NFL far and wide because I feel like too much the NFL acts like it is the final authority on things and that they have this latitude to just mm. keep pushing things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they need to be checked. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that the players use this opportunity to do so. I'm hoping that they scale some of this back and make it better for the players because ultimately without this thing it's a useful tool in some capacities Mm -hmm. completely agree but if you're just going to use it to make another couple hundred million dollars for the nfl at these players expense Mm. i feel like they have every right to push back against it i think that's fair especially me as a fan who hates the practice i i I cheer them on yeah and and there's so i mean there's so much now in terms of the whole market and going from college to the pros now has changed you've got Guys who skip out on bowl games unless it's like a big important national game because they want to make sure they're healthy. You got guys who will opt out of seasons and then you add in like the combine nuances now yes. we'll say and it, it's just a whole murky situation and then combined with again like how people are already viewing it knowing like how people train specifically for these events it now or, carries less value. Yes and even and it already had certain things that didn't like. Like certain, hand size hand size. Yeah. yeah. Listen Jeez. Jake if you're out there. He keeps tweeting at me about Kenny Pickett's hand size. I yell in my truck every time I see one of those tweets from you. Know that. <laughs> know that I'm 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 yelling, damn it, Jake! In my truck as I'm driving home from work because you tag me in these things. <laughs> he does have tiny hands. I think they were eight and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they did they did <laughs> when they were doing quarterbacks, he was standing on the like getting ready to start the drill. And everything was getting explained and they started talking about his hands and his hands were at his side and the camera just zoomed in on his oh, waist and his, on. and his hands. And they sat there on his hands for a good like four and a half, five Mississippi count. And they just zoomed in on it like. Yeah. Chris oh just brought in a thing. What's my hand size? Ten inches. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to palm everybody's face if you come up to me talking about hand size. It's a big hand to get hit with. <laughs> That's not great. Now, yep. that was the good news of the do week. We need, do we need to measure Anthony's? Yeah, let's this measure is, by comparison. They're fine. Everyone's talking hand size. Let's do it. Chris? Yeah, we're going to use uh, my Milwaukee okay. uh, tape measure that I got free from somebody leaving it in my Uber. You, you did your right hand, right? Yep. Where do I do? Do I go from here to here? Okay. Oh, I got little baby hands. Oh, I'm about, I'm about no, Chris. I'm about a nine. What did... Okay. Yeah, you got Kenny. You got I, Kenny Pickett. No, hands. I got I got Joe Burrow hands. You got yeah. Joe Burrow hands. I got yeah. Joe Burrow hands. What do I have? Uh, if I cut off your uh, coke nail for a pinky, you're about eight and a half. <laughs> oh, you got Kenny Pickett. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's right. Respect the hand size in this room. <laughs> I'm second fiddle. That's right. Oh, the ten inch hands. Respect. You know who's got big hands? The Big Show. <sighs> You're going to yeah. bring wrestling into this? All right, we're changing topics. Well, he, he hasn't been seen on TV in ages. That's true. That is true. Uh, Behind the scenes show. So I'm glad that this combine stuff is done, and I'm glad that players did something for themselves in the process. And hopefully future generations see this and know the leverage that they have on the NFL going forward. Mm. This dog and pony show needs to be reined in, Mm. and it seems like the players finally realize that they have the power to do it. Mm. I'm happy about that. Mm. The bad news. The Bills fan base is still not over the 13-second debacle. Mm. Thanks a lot, Tyler Dunn. I genuinely believe that we were done talking about this. 
And then, you know, Chris, I was going about my going about my weekend. I think I tweeted about this. Here I am, just trying to use Twitter to follow up on who's getting tagged and free agent news and rumblings and rumors. But no, here comes big, important sports writer Ty Dunn, who has to go talking to players and drumming up this really well-written article that ruins my weekend like Dirty Mike and the boys (laughs) just soup kitchen my truck, mostly because all of you out there in the Bills fan base, your inane Twitter ranting ruined my pursuit of news. You're talking about a guy in Ty Dunn who can dig up these wild exposés, and he can write these articles that read... I, Guy's got connections. Yeah, but he can't find a bottle of beard oil or a fucking trimmer. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Ty, I saw that video of you at, uh, with Jim Manos at Hamburg Brewing Company last week. Get that thing under control before Yukon Cornelius presses charges. I don't know if you're... I, I, don't, I don't care if you're a big media personality or not. Identity theft is a crime, sir. Identity theft is not a joke, Jim. <laughs> it's one of those things. Guys, guys, relax. These are jokes, right? I'm just a sort of in-shape guy with bad teeth, and I've got a co-pilot over here with two and a half pounds of hair product on. <laughs> and small hands. And small hands. We all suck. Busting balls is a great American pastime, and I am a dedicated subscriber to not only that, but I also just this morning got my email that I had re-upped for another year of golong.golongthd.com. Mm. I love everything that Ty does. It just sucks that it fucked up my weekend and what my plans for social media were. <sighs> There's two points about this article and the things that came afterwards from you, the fan base, that I want to talk about before we take some of your feedback. In fact, Chris, if anyone chimes in mid-conversation, let me know. We'll go to them. First... Does anybody knowing how or why this debacle cost us a season, does, does it make you feel better? Does mm. it really help anything? Mm. I mean, here's what I would, I would, there's a correlation that I have for you this. You get closure on it. Do you, though? It's like knowing, Chris, you can identify with this one. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. It's like knowing how or why someone cheated on you. Yeah. If they were to sit down and explain <laughs> to you the whys. Say, well, this is why, and this thing, and this thing that I thought, and this is when I did it, and this is how the cheating happened. If you knew every single nuanced detail of it, would it make you feel any better? I mean, it's it's (laughs) always nice to have closure on things. But does knowing every gross detail actually give you closure? I don't need to know (laughs) gross details. That's my point. I don't need to know. The juice is not worth the squeeze. Mm. I'm one of the people who subscribes to the idea that when something traumatic happens, you take it at face value and you walk. Because if you question why, you're just opening doors that A, you can't close, and B, don't actually make, like, it doesn't settle the situation. Mm. It just begets, uh, you're digging another hole. That's Mm. all you're doing. Anthony, your opinion on this. I hate that we're still talking about it. Thank you. Um, I mean, I'm I'm also not, I'm on both sides because I'm not over it. I'm still very much upset about it, but I've also rewatched the game like seven times for the work that I've had to do. So I've watched the all 22. I've had to do so much with it. Can't do it. It's rough. It sucks, man. Um, But I'm not much for I mean, I I have an idea and already knew why it happened and how it happened. I just want to make sure it doesn't happen again. That's my biggest thing going forward. So reliving 
these little nuanced details. I guess it's cool for people who want to see a peek behind the scenes, but I'm not too invested in it until if things go off the rails in 2022 and then I'm like, oh, well, maybe some of these things started to show a little bit at the end of that Chiefs game and, you know, maybe I'll give this a read. But as of right now, like until it becomes a problem going forward, I don't want to hear about it anymore. Okay. I'm off. And this is my second point. And this is where we kind of get into new territory with this whole conversation. This idea that, well, even if Sean McDermott is to blame, let's say this is 100% his fault. Let's say he alienated his coaching staff. He overrode them at every turn. He forced Leslie Frazier to be uh, lax on defense in the in the defensive series that followed. He told he was the one who told the kicker to do something different than what the special teams coach did. Is this what the article says? Because I haven't read it. It's it, there's there's some things that get not said but alluded. To. So the allu- the uh, the things that are alluded to are that basically this is like heavy majority on McDermott. Yes. Okay. Here's what I'll say: just because we lost this one doesn't mean we can't win a Super Bowl. I can't get over some of you guys who think that because this happened once, that's it. It's the end. It's over. You, you guys remind me of Hudson from Aliens. It's it's over, man. <laughs> Game over. We're just gonna we're not gonna die here. The season is gonna happen whether you like it or not. If you died, if the if the Buffalo Bills broke your heart in 2021 or technically 2022 in February, and you can't get past that, then guess what? Get off the bus. Mm. The games are going to happen whether you like it or not. The next season will come, and Sean McDermott will be our coach. NFL history has shown that good head coaches, which I think we can all agree, around the table, is Sean McDermott a good head coach? He's a good head coach. I mean, he's no Rex Ryan, but I think he's he's fantastic, yeah. I mean, he's resurrected this team. Some of the guys who have busts in Canton right now weren't always winners. And sometimes it took their teams a while to get to the promised land. Even those who had amazing quarterback play. Mm. John Madden, 9-7 and playoff record, went 103-32. and This is in an era where the guys you had were the guys you had. Mm. There was no free agency. So he had an amazing football team. They dominated in the regular season. He had a barely passable record in the playoffs. One Super Bowl appearance and he won it. He had LaMonica and mm. some of the nastiest sons of bitches to ever put a helmet on in the NFL on his defense. And yet five AFC championship game losses before finally getting to that Lombardi trophy. Mm. If this loss has Bills fans this upset, what do you think they would have done 30 years ago in the 80s? Five consecutive AFC championship game losses? I see people immolating themselves in the parking lot, <laughs> like setting themselves in the parking lot outside the Bills stadium if that were to happen here. And yet the Raiders fans, were, I'm sure they, were, they weren't happy, mm-hmm. but their coach got him there, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Bill, Bill Cower, 12-9 and nine playoff record. Two Super Bowl appearances, one win. Again, four conference championship game losses. And he lost them all and within uh, by a combined 14 points. They were all close games. They were all crucifyingly close, agonizingly close. Again, Bill's fans would lose their minds if mm. Bill Cowher had done that. And yet, he won his last one. Mm. He won that last one mm. with a Ben with a young Ben Roethlisberger. Mike Holmgren. Okay, there's a name. 
You want to talk about a guy who has a bad rat? Look, 116 and 111 in the regular season. 161 to 111 in the regular season. Probably the worst winning percentage of any coach on this list I made. Uh, three Super Bowl appearances and only one win. Remember when he touched? Where he, he again? We just talked about Bill Cowher. He beat Mike Holmgren. That's what made me think of it. Oh, that's right. The list in Seattle. He touched the trophy during the press conference. Did he really? They put him at the table with the trophy, and he touched it in the middle of the conference, and he jinxed himself. I'll never forget that. Foolish. He had an in-his-prime Brett Favre and only made him win a single Super Bowl. That's how hard it is to win a Super Bowl in the NFL. Do you think that Tom Brady has given fans, like our proximity to Tom Brady has given fans delusions of grandeur in terms of how hard winning a Super Bowl in the NFL is? Mm-hmm. I would say so. I think that oh, I mean, there's so much nonsense with the Patriots. But even if you even if you don't look at the Patriots, right? Like if you take the whole dynasty conversation for so many teams, I mean, the list of like Super Bowl winning teams is like pretty low. Like the majority of Super Bowls have been won by the Patriots, the Patriots, the Steelers, the Cowboys, the Niners, the Broncos have three. After being to like a bunch, the majority of Super Bowls have been won by like yeah a, a handful of teams. It's hard to get a ring and it's uh, yeah and I, I that type of sustainability doesn't really happen and then tony dungy he's he's probably the most recent and the i i want to say the one that's probably the most surprising a losing playoff record nine and ten mm-hmm. one super bowl appearance one super bowl win that was a fluke he had pete manning he had arguably the best quarterback to ever do it right you want to call tom brady the best Who's two A and what? Who's two and three? Montana and Manning. Is that fair? Uh, I Peyton Manning's not for me. I think Manning's kind of overrated. Oh, oh. wow! Wow! Hot I'll let, takes. I'll let you come. Wow! I got to take a step back. This fire's way too hot. I think he's a great regular Good season. Lord. I think he's a great regular season quarterback. Okay, no, no, hey, no, no, because that's worth. Here's the thing. Fantastic. In the playoffs, here's something Tony Dungy had to navigate. In the playoffs, Manning was 21 touchdowns to 17 interceptions, <laughs> and it's and it's legit. They were like bad, and it's and it's more than just the oh well, like they lose to the Patriots. I'm even thinking about that. You guys remember the game in New York against the Jets where they got housed like 41 nothing in the wild card round by Chad Pennington and yes. that crew? They got smoked. Like there's a significant amount of those games, and even that Super Bowl. I don't want to take anything away from anyone. That Super Bowl, it was raining. The Bears players were falling down. Manning had two interceptions in that game, but everybody acts like he had this like phenomenal performance. Like The huge deep bomb to Reggie Wayne is because the safety falls down because of how muddy and rainy it is. And then the Bear, the other quarterback was Rex Grossman and Cedric Benson's Rex Grossman sacked himself on back-to-back, back-to-back snaps in yeah. that game. I'll never forget it. He was very much gross, Rexman, in that one, as the jokes used to go. But the thing that I want to point out is that all of these coaches are considered Hall of Famers. Yes. They all had an elite quarterback who got them over the hump late in their career. McDermott has that elite player now, early in his career, and has plenty of time to learn from his mistakes. So if you consider that this franchise was a garbage fire that couldn't sell $10 seats to a December Browns game back in 2016... Mm. I will kindly ask that anybody who thinks that McDermott is the quote-unquote problem for our franchise, don't be upset when I get drunk and yell at you for saying that. But some of you are out there in the chat. I see you out there. What do you have to say? I know who's in the room and who's not. Come on now, speak up. 
anybody who has anything to say on this topic as to whether or not we're finally done grieving about this, and if not, why? Speak up. Come on now, the floor is yours. Hmm. I just will say this. If Sean McDermott never sees a Super Bowl as the head coach of this football team, you can blame him, not the talent. Because I think that they've proven that this team is the most talented. Last year, from top to bottom, we were probably playing the best football of any team in the AFC. When our season ended, our defense picked the worst game to go give up 600 yards and just go completely cold. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that game, that even with Trey in week five, there were certain things that happened with Kansas City that the Bills had a good game plan. And they did some things well to cause some of the errors that Kansas City had. But Kansas City shot themselves in the foot a lot in week five. And I still didn't think the Bills defense was a good matchup for them come playoff time. Then you remove Tredavious White. And yeah, it was just like really unfortunate timing of events combined with a matchup where you're throwing rock and your opponent throws paper and that ain't working out too good for you. (laughs) But it's it's crazy that this that the fault is I understand if the fault is Sean McDermott, but. And not that it's like, well, compared to what we used to have, but legitimately think where the bills have come from, like the drought and all just the horrible coaching decisions and the lack of continuity and the bad management and the horrible steering of the ship that we've seen, whether it was GMs, whether it was coaches, whether it was coordinators, you've had nothing. Sean Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have revamped this team to the point that well, Jerry Hughes is a free agent now, but the only two players on the roster from the year before McDermott and Bean took over were Jerry Hughes and Reed Ferguson. And they literally shipped everybody out within a year and a half, two years, took on dead cap, restructured this team from a roster and financial perspective, and won back-to-back AFC's titles. And again, it's it's fine to be critical, and nobody likes what happened with Sean McDermott. Like, I'm not pleased, but I, you've seen so many people just be like, well, he's got to be fired. What? <laughs> what are you going to fire the guy who got... Okay. What are you doing? And that's, I guess, my point. History hasn't been kind to you as a Bills fan. So those of you still potting about it seem to be doing so only because you never think that you're ever going to taste this again. My father warned me about this last year, pre-playoff. He told me, enjoy the ch- championship game and enjoy the moment. Because next year you're going to have expectations. And the mm-hmm. whole thing is going to change. He knows because he lived it. He lived the 90s. He's compl- he's correct. That's exactly what happened. And then it cheapened the it cheapened what should have been a very good 2021 campaign. Because we had expectations of what this team was capable of accomplishing. We weren't just along for this joyride that took us to the AFC title game. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot like the Bengals season. Like you didn't expect anything from your team this year and mm. then they took you to the Super Bowl. And then you lost and you got to wonder how are we going to get back there again with half of our team ready to walk out the door. Mm. Now we got to figure out how to manage this again. But mm. you did it. You had the fun. We didn't get there. It it literally comes down to this. You hate Sean McDermott, but then in the same breath you'll talk about how Josh Allen's the greatest. Mm. You, and you'll talk about how we're never going to get back and it's his fault and he wasted our opportunity and we have all this animosity. But Josh Allen's great, and you'll go online to fight with any idiot with numbers in his name and an AVI, AVI of a dog picture, like, oh, here's a picture of my dog. Let me tell you all the reasons the Bills the bills are done, they missed their window. Like, I, I'm sorry. 
Like you guys are the ones driving this conversation. These nameless, faceless, just WGR callers on steroids about how it's over and this, that, the other thing. But then you also love the Bills and love Josh and trust that Josh will deliver a Super Bowl. Well, which is it then? Mm. Either you believe that this team, because I, I can't remember who said it, but they made the best point. You can't look at Josh Allen and go, he is what he is without Sean McDermott or without the structure that Sean McDermott built mm. to foster his growth. Mm -hmm. So if you trust in that, then why don't you trust in him? Mm. And why don't you trust this thing as a whole? I'm sorry. I just, I don't buy any of this and I'm tired of hearing about it. I'd love to know what our listeners in the chat right now think. If anybody has anything they want to say, anybody has anything they want to offer, anybody wants to tell me that I'm wrong and that I'm not taking this seriously enough, feel free to chime in. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But Chris, the worst of the week. The worst? Brandon Bean slow playing things and making everybody nervous. The worst! Anthony, we've been talking about it. The Bills have been behind everybody. You saw teams making big moves to restructure, to cut, to put guys on the market, to announce that guys are available for trade and shed cap space. Mm. Or giving Scorpio Sky the TNT title. Yes, big restructure there. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> it's I want to yell. It's like it's like I get poked in the eye every time you guys are talking about wrestling in the middle of a football podcast. And yet there's two of you, so I, I don't... But also, I have 10-inch hands. That's true. I might be able to attack you both at the same time. Sammy Guevara has big hands, though, and he lost that TNT Championship Scorpio Sky, so who knows <sighs> how relevant hand size is here. Who is Scorpio Sky? The that TNT like, champion. Yeah. <laughs> that's the dumbest name for a wrestler I've ever heard. Well, right. he's going to lose it next week anyway. Because well, his name gonna is lose, Scorpio. I think he's going to lose to Wardlow? Yeah. First of all... I think MJF's going to interfere. Sorry. First of all, Scorpio is one of the worst signs of the Zodiac. Uh... The sky. There's nothing threatening about the sky. Other, uh, There's aliens in the sky. Zeus. Zeus is in there. Okay. Lightning bolts? It, totally off topic. You want to talk about aliens? How about this? Aliens, like the ones we've been seeing, like, oh, UFO reports. Mm -hmm. How do we know that the aliens that we're seeing, if there are aliens, mm -hmm. aren't just some shitty middlemen in this giant intergalactic pyramid scheme? Like, when we find them, we find out that the only reason we've been seeing them, they're like, oh, they drive around in these incomprehensible things. Yeah, because they're hammered. 
Mm-hmm. These guys are wasted. They're a bunch of Drew Gears in a UFO <laughs> flying around, and they don't even know the technology. They got it off some other higher level of consciousness. Interesting. And they've been flying around the galaxy in it, and they just drunkenly stumble into Earth's atmosphere. Maybe a, mm-hmm. maybe they, ad, ad, you know, ad, what do they call it, abduct a farmer every now and again, like their own version of Impractical Jokers. Like, mm. oh, you see that guy, he's mowing his lawn. Let's take him. Let's take him. Oh, and then we're going to shoot him out into a <laughs> cornfield eight miles away. He's going to have no recollection. It'll be fucking hilarious. But and isn't that more terrifying than if they're the middlemen and there's still people above them? Because then the middlemen are still advanced and then the people above, like, what are, what are they rocking? What is, what's their capability? That's like almost like... We know the, more about what goes on in the sky than we know what goes on in the ocean. That's yeah, but do you know what's going on in the Scorpio sky? Because that's a different level. And if these, if these middlemen alien... You know, Chris are like mid carters. What happens when we get the main event aliens, the Kenny Omegas of the world, that Adam I Hangman just, pages of the world? I just Adam use the Cole, word right, I, boom. I, I just like, use the word immolate. And I, I, I've often wondered when you see that picture, like Rage Against the Machine. I think they made it like an album cover. They did make it ass. Yes, they did. The guy who sets himself on fire. I often find myself wondering what was going through his head in the moments before he lit that match. And I think I know. I think I know. AEW Scorpio Sky. It's right here in this moment. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> So one of the worst headlines of the week is this idea that Brandon Bean might be taking the slow road to free agency in an era where we're watching the rest of the AFC just pile on talent. Mm. It's an arms race, and we're, again, acting as if there's no urgency. And that's making a lot of people nervous. Mm. Now, from your perspective, Anthony, Mm -hmm. is this a problem, or do you think it's just a byproduct of... This is what happens when you built the team. We have enough talent to, we know we have enough talent to compete. So we have the luxury of slow playing things. I think it's that second point. I think it's the luxury because the Bills have a good recipe already. And then you just add a couple things here and there to make it taste better, maybe change your stirring technique, all that kind of stuff. But the Bills don't have any. They have certain needs on this team that can be filled this offseason, whether it's the draft or whether it's free agency. But the big moves that, you know, are being made, I mean, Denver needed a quarterback. They had a massive hole there. And the Chargers, their run defense was terrible. Their pass rush production aside from Bosa was a little sketchy. Plus, you combine the fact that Bosa's like had injury history and they needed to re-up there. They still had massive holes other than that. Denver really scares me a lot, but I think the Bills are a more complete team than both of those teams were, and so we have the luxury of slow playing it. That being said, I would like them to make a move to kind of compete in this arm <laughs> yeah, like, race a little bit. Give me something. Do something. Like, it would be nice if uh, they could do that because other the, these other teams are re-upping. But, I mean, this is the team that, with the offense led by Josh Allen and the leaps that they made towards the back end of the year once they found a running game, and the fact that, uh, again, I know how the year ended for the defense. This was the number one defense in terms of DVOA last year. They were tremendous against the pass. They got turnovers nonstop. They were 11th in sacks. Everybody talks about how pass rush was such a weakness. Like, like we, It worked. It worked. Pressures were working. They were 11th Mario in sacks. Mario Addison hit seven sacks. Nobody talks about Mario Addison no. returning to this football team, and it's like, wait a minute. He was a giant bar- Seven sacks is nothing to sneeze at in the NFL. No, not at all, especially given his workload and usage where he wasn't seeing like the heavy majority of snaps. He was third on the defensive line and snap percentage or fourth, and it was barely over 40%. You know, he's not seeing 
premier pass rush opportunities and situations. He's coming in for spot duty. And the biggest weakness on that defense was the run defense where they got gouged in some games, the the perception of pass rush from people, but they had pressures and pressures are very valuable. And if you just think sacks are valuable, again, that's fine. The Bills were 11th in sacks. This is a good football team. There's a reason not even just people in the Bills content creation community, but nationally, how many people kept saying as we headed towards the end of the year, like the Bills are the most complete football team in the NFL. That was across the board. If you mm-hmm. watch NFL Network, ESPN, if you were listening to podcasts, that was a common statement. And the Bills return a lot of that team. That being said, they 1,000% need to make tweaks and upgrades at certain positions. Even before Denver did what they did and before the Chargers did what they did, they needed to make tweaks and upgrades to be able to contend and finally get over the hump against Kansas City and contend against Cincinnati. But again, we can play devil's advocate with that too. Like Even with Trey White being gone and the defense playing horribly, they were 13 seconds away from going to the AFC Championship game, and I think we all feel pretty confident about what the Bills would have looked like against the Bengals in the AFC Championship. It's it's a murky situation, and I think people get angsty when you see these other teams especially in your conference just making big moves left and right and landing haymakers and you're kind of just sitting there twiddling your thumbs like well we we released aj klein and, and john feliciano and then it's like well we got russell wilson and it's like cool we um we're gonna let cole beasley you know seek a trade maybe and then it's like well we just got khalil Mack, and it's like all right we're maybe gonna sign the defensive tackle maybe for like a, a couple mil so i get it and i understand it but this team is already built well, and they're strong. And when you're built like that, that usually means you've got money tied up in a certain amount of scenarios, so you can't just go out and make those deals that the other teams are making because you're not built that way because you've already got money invested in quality players that are part of your core, which is why you were a Super Bowl favorite last year and why you're already a Super Bowl favorite going into this year. Well, you're not just a Super Bowl You are the Super Bowl favorite. Oh, that's a good point. You are the betting, the odds-on favorite to win a Super Bowl. So... Anything that the Bills do now in the offseason, these lines aren't made by... This is what I think... And this is where sometimes Vegas people go, oh, well, the line's this, the line's that. Vegas doesn't lose very often. No, that's why it's Vegas. They're they're literally... It's like when you look at sports betting, it's comprised of people who... This is how they make their fortunes, is being good at prognosticating sports within a couple points of variance. I love how you're quietly trying to take the lid off that. Just take it off. Sorry. What are you apologizing for? It wouldn't come off, man. Of course, this might be the funniest podcast we've ever done. Yeah. We have a guest who's shy. He's so well-mannered that he's afraid of making a little bit of noise in the microphone. I'm giving you another beer. Thanks. Yeah, I'm giving you another beer. And I want you to crack that thing like an adult in the microphone. Like Adam Hangman Pagewood? Yep. Yeah. Oh, no. Thanks. Yeah. See, I agree to these things before I know that you're taking them a wrestling route. Sorry. What I'll say is this. You look at where the Bills are. Vegas has us as the odds-on favorite right now to win the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. There's a reason for that. They mm-hmm. look at the quarterback. They look at the receiving core, and they say, even if there's some fluctuation there, we agonize over that. They look at how many wins does player X actually matter. Mm. How, many, how many wins does Cole Beasley change your fortunes? Not much. Hmm. Because when they added him in 20, uh, what was it? So they added a Cole Beasley in 2019, and he was great. Mm-hmm. He was great. You made the playoffs, right? Should it be Houston? Should it be Houston. But it wasn't dynamically different. It was just a little bit better than what you had seen from a passing perspective. You were still in the low 20s. Mm. 
Then you waited a Stefan Diggs. Mm-hmm. And Diggs goes and sets the league, uh, what he paces the league in receiving yards. And receptions. And receptions. That's dangerous. It takes you to the title game. Mm-hmm. The following year, you augment that with an Emmanuel Sanders, and people go, wow. <laughs> Sanders, okay, Sanders with the. So if you're talking about losing a Beasley, losing a Sanders, you go, okay, they're going to lose stuff, but also a Gabe Davis, he just emerged. Mm-hmm. We've now seen what he's capable of. A Dawson Knox, you've got these players. You still have talent. Mm-hmm. So to act like by slow playing this, the Bills are setting themselves back, I just I don't subscribe to that theory. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to hand ring over, guys, we don't have a whole lot of money. <laughs> what do you want to like, that, That's a huge part. Like, what but do, you- do you know how much money some teams that have it? Jacksonville and Miami <laughs> are two of the teams in the NFL with the most cap space. The Jets are up there. Do you know what these jerk-offs would spend if it meant that they could get Josh Allen tomorrow? Mm. He wins you more games than any player you're going to add in free agency this year to any roster in the AFC. Is that a wild thing for me to say or no? No, I agree. Okay. He, he's one, he plays the most important position in football. He's one of the best at it. What do we got, Chris? All right, we'll bring in uh, Tommy. Tommy's requested to speak. Tommy, what do you got, brother? Tommy, unmute your microphone. What do you got for us? Yeah, sorry. Um, no, my question is, like, basically, if if Bean is slow playing, like, trying to play the slow, like, the low end of the market, I should say, um, what is, at this point, if fans are getting uh, frustrated, I'm not really frustrated. I just, at some point, you know, he made that Diggs trade. That's that's kind of a big splash. Um, we know he has it in him. Is this the point where you just say, screw it and go all in and try to get some guys to get us over that hump, in my opinion? That's basically what I'm asking and what your opinion is. Ooh. Well, that's a good one, and I'll tell you this, man. So, so here's what I think. I think that in the development of this football team, you could argue there's there's reason to try to contain being we talked about it in tonight's podcast, which is the 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 one that we recorded before we went mm-hmm, live, mm-hmm. which is hilarious because he broke the microphone. I'm pointing at Anthony. He oh, laughed mean. so hard that he broke the recording. I've never seen it before. It was awesome. I can't <laughs> wait for you guys to hear it. But we talked about this concept that him slow playing the market, you have to look at first of all what we are. Mm-hmm. Like we just got done saying, this mm-hmm. is the most com- one of the most competitive rosters from top to bottom in terms of talent on hand. Mm-hmm. Also, in terms of trades and in terms of things that you could do, <sighs> Bean is meticulous when he crafts these contracts. If it weren't for the Star Latule opt-out year to COVID, mm. he, this would be the year that he was getting cut due to cap constraints, mm. and we would be able to benefit to probably what the tune of like five million, mm-hmm. six million, yeah cap space Mm -hmm. because of that opt-out covid year it fucked up what we could do with star and now we're stuck where he's worth he's worth more being on the roster than off of it correct like 1.5 million in cap savings isn't worth cutting him he crafts every contract he does meticulously so that he gives himself a team-friendly avenue to go to the player and say look we'll keep you if you're playing way above your pay grade but if you're not we're happy to cut you and save four to five million dollars. And he's done that with all these players, with Feliciano. He's done it with Beasley. He's done it with Klein. He did it with, he tried to do it with Star, and the COVID year just kind of screwed things up. So, with that in mind, I just don't think that splash, like the Diggs trade was huge, but splash 
I feel like Bean is a little too pragmatic for that, don't you? Oh, I'd agree. And and with the with the Diggs trade, that made a splash in that individual upcoming season, but also because of his age and his position, that also worked for the future and long yes. term. So it was a win now and a win future. Because now you can go to Diggs and go, hey, why you're not going to make as much on the open market if you were to hit the market next year after your contract expires. Yep. Why don't you sign an extension now while you're st- you're playing with the best quarterback in the AFC? Mm-hmm. I, I'll say that. The best quarterback in the AFC, mm. in the best offensive system to your skill set, mm. you'll, you'll, you will maintain that the spot he always wanted, right? He wanted to be the star. Mm-hmm. That's why he was unhappy in, in Minnesota. Was yes. Because they would not, th- they were a run heavy team that you gave him a fat contract extension and then used him on a minimal basis. Not to the wide receiver one status he thought he deserved. He no. gets that here. They said, look, you can finish your career as a star, which will help your promotion, your off-field money mm-hmm. that you make. Also, you're going to be on a team that has a chance to win a Super Bowl every year because mm-hmm. of the coach, the structure, and the quarterback. I just think that that trade set up a future extension easier than, hey, we're going to draft Justin Jefferson and then try mm-hmm. to negotiate a free uh, deal with him in four years. Yeah, the, the Diggs deal worked in that in a vacuum in that upcoming season. And again, was it wasn't like Diggs was 32 and sweet. He was entering the prime of his career, already had a contract that was going to keep him around, and then you have the opportunity to re-up him. And I guess the... To focus really on, then Tommy's question is a good one because I think that's a big one in the landscape now, especially after everybody seeing what the Rams did to win the Super Bowl. Now people are just kind of like, well, should we trade all our draft picks <laughs> and just grab guys? And like, Lesney Les well, does not have a draft pick in this not, upcoming let, draft class. Let's not forget that that's the way coaching now works in the NFL. How many of his mm. assistants are being taken? Coached, yeah. Zach Taylor, uh, who is Minnesota's head coach. O'Connell. O'Connell. Yeah. They're, there's. Picking off of McVay's staff for head coaching. There you go. They get grabbed. So it's like a right. trend. It is, and you've you, you've seen this team go all in, and now people are asking, like, well, should we go all in? And it's twofold. One, I think the Rams are an outlier in that scenario, but I think it's really hard to win a Super Bowl, like we've talked about. I am I am very much cognizant of. That as long as the Bills have Josh Allen, they have a Super Bowl window, right? Because of how good he is and what he can do. I am not opposed to answers like to Tommy's question, and like because he asked what we thought with that. I'm not opposed to going all in and trying to go hard for like a one two year window. I recognize it's not the most pragmatic approach. I recognize what can be problematic down the road, but it's hard to win a ring. That's part of what gets me the most with when it comes to the. Go ahead. Would Would you take a ring like what Tommy said? Go all in, take a ring next year. Yeah, and then for the next six seasons, you're somewhere between five and five and twelve and worse in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, I I want I want this may be just the fan in me. Actually, no, I don't think it is. I want one before I die. And for everybody who says like, yeah, but you've got this window with Josh Allen and you've got this window. And I agree that that's true. How many, how long have the Bills been in existence and they don't have one ring? How many teams have had Dan Marino? Do you have any idea how many people Dan Marino went to the Super Bowl in his second year and lost to a dynasty in the Niners? Do you have any idea how many people were probably like, don't worry about it. We got Dan Marino. We're going to be golden. He never got back. 
Yeah, because he didn't have a running game. <laughs> he didn't have, you, you don't know how your team's going to be built. What happens? You don't know what injuries are going to happen. God forbid, knock on wood, what if Josh goes down next year, or Diggs goes down, or Trey goes down again, or Poyer or Hyde? There's so many things that can happen. I would trade anything and anyone for a guaranteed ring. But the problem is you can't do it. No, you can't. But to his point, oh, like, yeah. do you go all in? Oh, and yeah. whatever you, it means going all in. Though also with that, what's tough is going all in for the Bills is still kind of tough given their cap constraints and what they, they'd have well, to yeah. they'd have to create some holes well, in order to fill some. You can, and the one thing that I will say that people who don't think Bean is doing enough. Oh, he tries everything. He kicks the, the tires on everything. Well, and here's what I want you to know. Next offseason, the cap is going to take an unprecedented jump. Yes. It's going to take one of the biggest jumps it's ever taken from year to year in NFL history. A savvy GM who knows how to structure contracts to the team's advantage. You mean like Brandon Bean? Like uh, some guy that we know. He, we might call him Big Baller Bean. A wizard? Um, a, cap, the, a wizard? Uh, contractual gangster might be yes, how he's known these parts. that's sweet. Uh, yeah. We have a sound bag. We've got a whole thing. I can't wait. We've LLC'd it. So That's he, fair. So here's what I want to... You mean copyrighted? I love how you use the term LLC. Like, yeah, it's their I company. love how Chris gets an opportunity to throw around a business term and he uses the wrong one. Yeah. Same thing. It's our business. It's a win-win. There could be a big move coming structured in True. a way where it doesn't hurt this year's cap. True. It hits next year True. when we have more money at our disposal. So sign Devontae Adams and give him one year, one million this year for cap hit, and then Fu- twenty million the next two. Right? Fuck, we all tune into tune into the podcast we're about to drop tonight, the one that's about to hit in about forty five minutes. <laughs> He's going to go in and explain this idea, of Devontae Adams. It it was like it pantsed me. It caught me by surprise. I was well, because we we played this game of whole like throw realism out the window. What's the one move you make? Yeah. No, definitely. Also, I got a DM from, this is why I love doing this live, Lauren just DM'd us and goes, thanks for the F-Shack, Dirty Mike and the Boys. <laughs> Lauren is fantastic on Twitter. She's Lauren. a regular, inter- I interact with her all the time on Twitter. She's interactive in the show. Lauren's fantastic. What do we got, Chris? All right, we got a uh, request here from Apex Double Zero. Bring all them right. In. Make sure you unmute your microphone. Apex 006, what do you have for us? <laughs> Um, I want to go back to what Tommy just asked about. What people tend to forget, and this this running narrative that's going on right now, is the Rams just walked through the playoffs and spotted everyone. Great point. Yeah. The Rams... The Rams almost lost to Tampa Bay. The the Rams were literally uh, just like you were going to go to overtime with Tampa Bay. Or if Jaquiski Tart comes down with that interception potentially against San Francisco. You you lucked your way through the playoffs. Also, Apex, I don't know, you smell an awful lot like a Mario Granada. I could smell the Italian on you. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, I I live on hashtag sports, though. Yeah, you can't go by hashtag anymore because uh, somebody got a little loose with the Twitter handle, huh? Right. Because <laughs> someone got Chris. How is it that hash? If we took bets about who in the Twitter sphere was going to get banned from Twitter first, us hashtag cover one. Uh, I would say like, us because we're already blocked by incognito. Yeah, Richie incognito blocked us because we're too much for him, and yet somehow you guys are the first ones to actually get kicked off. Yeah. <laughs> leave, it, leave it to Mario to talk crap to a Patriots fan and get a fan. <laughs> Brutal. So, so to your point, Mario. Not Mario. Wait, not Mario. Not Mario. Not Mario. Not Mario. Oh, oh, perfect. Okay. So, yeah, Mario got you guys kicked off. Now you're here. 
what, what I, I guess here's my question for you. What do you think that they should do differently then? I don't know if they do anything truly differently. Um, I think we need to stick to the plan. Hmm. At, at this point, it's been, you know, it's been a gradual build, correct, up to this point. And now he's looking at having more people wanting to come here. They've, they've built it as a destination place now. So let's pump the brakes, wait until free agency opens in five days, and see what happens. Hmm. There's multiple reports where stars want to come here. But everyone's impatient because Cleo Mack got traded to the Chargers. Cleo Mack's a fantastic player with an outrageous contract mm-hmm. that the Chargers could absorb. But in two or three years, that's going to be a horrible contract for them. And yeah, that's the game. That's and that's an excellent point. Like that's the game you play. Like, what are you? Because the, the, there's the give and take for everything. And the the comment you made earlier, like the juice is worth the squeeze. And what are you allocating? What's the return on investment? All that kind of stuff. And some teams go in. How many? I mean, maybe it's different because it's a running back. But I feel like a lot of Jets fans all fan, felt fantastic when they got C.J. Mosley and Le'Veon Bell, and it was like, oh my god, we got like arguably the best defensive player on the market and and the best running back. Things are going to be great. And then like a year in, both those contracts didn't look so good, and you were in kind of a hellish position and not an enviable one whatsoever. That's the risk. And it, the Bills aren't the. I also think in this conversation too, if we're trying to look at it through Bean's eyes or what they're going to do, I don't doubt that there's the potential for an aggressive move. You know, much to the point, and like to what we said earlier, Bean kicks the tires on everyone and everything. And if it's a move that makes sense for now in the future, he'll get it done. That's also part of it too. Like how we see it with the trade deadline every year too. Everybody's like. Oh can't believe we didn't make a move at the deadline like i can't believe that doesn't mean that bean wasn't trying his ass off it takes someone else to be like oh yeah i like what you're offering let's make that deal like you and, and unfortunately bean is a guy who like me cheapskate he's like well can i float this for can i can i go bargain shopping Do you want zach moss yeah and people are like no i'll trade you zay jones i'll trade you zay jones for a fifth that's all i'm gonna give you for your fifth round pick and he's like wow i don't want that back i saw what that was <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll just keep my, I'll I'll take my shekels and I'll go home, and that's what I feel like we've done the last year or two. Mm. And so, in with that in mind, in season trades, how many of them have actually mattered? Like the Melvin Ingram one was pretty big. He ended yeah. up playing. He ended up allowing the Chiefs to play a, with a level of flexibility that they didn't have prior to that signing. Yeah, he helped Frank Clark a lot. I mean, both of the the big ones that happened this year, Melvin Ingram and then Von Miller going to. Yeah. But but even Von Miller. He didn't really have a. He, I mean, the Super Bowl is the Super Bowl, but he didn't really have an impact outside of the Super Bowl. Like he was kind of hit or miss. There's the point that people were talking about, like, was this even a good move? And even through the first two quarters, it was kind of like meh. And then he showed up huge in the second half with with Aaron Donald. But that could have been a huge thing in the locker room very from fair. a leadership could be standpoint that we don't get to see. That's a very fair point. But there's not a lot of in season deals that work, and those two are two readily available ones. Um, but there's not. It takes two to tango with everything, and you have to give to get in this league. And I know people are going to see what Khalil Mack went for, but, I mean, the Bills necessarily can't afford that, like, monetarily or even with, like, a draft pick perspective because they need to continue to, like, move towards the future and what they want to do. And for those looking at the Denver deal, I mean, like, look at at what Denver uh, gave up to get Russell Wilson. They gave up a lot, and granted, Denver's better, but... It comes down to how is your team constructed? How are you built? And the Bills have a high floor team 
they've got multiple people that are still capable of upping their ceiling and creating an even higher ceiling for this team. Josh Allen still hasn't hit his ceiling, which means this team can continue to grow infinitely as Josh Allen grows. So it would be nice from like a calming your anxiety perspective if the Bills were able to like make a sweet move, but they don't necessarily have to given how they're constructed. What they do need to do is add and reinforce and tweak and upgrade to be able to be more versatile and multiple in their scheme, both offensively and defensively, but that doesn't necessarily mean they have to go all in. No. Although it is interesting, and I know what makes a lot of listeners feel that way, it's this this idea that the AFC is getting harder to play in. And nothing, and I think the, the the last topic we'll talk about tonight is this idea that the landscape of the AFC has dramatically shifted with the Broncos trading for Russell Wilson. Mm. It has dramatically changed the face of what this conference was. Going into 2022, the AFC was already stacked with quarterback talent. Five of the top eight quarterbacks in terms of 2021 passing yards in the AFC. Uh, nine quarterbacks taken in the first round of the draft since 2018. Mm. So you've got young talent, young cap effective talent, we'll call it. You've got some veterans mixed in there like Ryan Tannehill and Derek Carr who aren't world beaters, but they will give you 250 yards on a given week, on a given Sunday, mm. which with a good team effort sh- might be enough to win, right? Mm. Especially if you're Tennessee. I mean, look at, look at Tennessee. <laughs> If Ryan Tannehill throws for 250, that offense probably scored 27 points. In a quarter. In a quarter. <laughs> Great quarterback play is generally a key indicator of NFL success. And so in that way, the AFC was already dangerous. Now, I have a screenshot here if I can find my phone. But when people saw the fact that the Broncos traded for Russell Wilson and had, oh, you got one in the queue. Who do you got? All right, we'll go to. I look how you're like. That's why I pointed. Yeah, <laughs> Anthony's like, I'm trying to help you here. We're gonna go. We gotta go down to the the bayou. Lauren is in here. Oh, Lauren, how are you, baby? I'm kind of going back to what you guys were saying earlier. I think Bean is more cognizant than a lot of GMs around the league. Yes. Of <laughs> kind of of the fit and. It, making sure that they're a right player for our team or is not just like a good player, but do they actually fit into our scheme and in our locker room? Mm-hmm. No, I think it's a great point because there's a lot of times you like see Antonio G- Brown. Well, that's it. You see like this whole, like, Hey, <laughs> Buffalo went to go get Antonio Brown. And then everyone was like, yeah, the bills might've called about it, but Bean wasn't pushing. Then you find out it's like, Oh, it actually wasn't that aggressive of a maneuver by the bills. They were kicking the tires on what it might cost. And when Antonio Brown found out about it, he was like, hell no, I'm not going to Buffalo. Turns out it might have been the best thing that would have happened to his career. Yeah, dude's nuts. Yeah, he's a lunatic. And he would have had fewer people to upset if he was here in Buffalo. Like, no one would have noticed. Instead, he went to Tampa. Although you'd think he'd fit in in Florida, right? Well, he's from from Florida. But they're all crazy. That checks. Yeah. (laughs) But no, Lauren, your point's not lost on me. Like, you're looking for people. Like, they said they did their due diligence on Stephon Diggs when they traded for him. And they said, all we see is a guy who's a dog. He is a guy who loves the game of football. Now he's best friends with Josh Allen. They play video games together. Josh Allen revives him in Call of Duty. This is it. Culture. They call it it like, oh, we did our due diligence. And we found this guy. And at the time, everyone goes, oh, he's a problem. He's this. He's that. Cole Beasley. 
I was on a cruise. I was literally walking a cruise deck in a Speedo with an American flag, like American flag Speedo with a bald eagle on my ass. Yikes. And some angry, drunk tech, uh, fans from Texas who were Dallas Cowboys fans were yelling at me from a hot tub because all they did was they saw my Buffalo Bills t-shirt and went, oh, good luck with Cole Beasley. Oh, he's a diva. He's, he's this, he's that. He's a whiner. He's never whatever. They do their due diligence on who is good for not just like, hey, you're an effective player, but also who's going to buy into the culture? Who do we think, based on who they are, might be a good fit for this locker room? They find those guys. And while it might it might not make sense on its face, it pays dividends in the end, doesn't it, Anthony? Culture is a tremendously important thing, and it's something that... One, I think it's a great point by Lauren and something to bring up that I think gets lost in everything, whether or not the Bills go all in or don't or whatever they do. The culture and fit from a from an off-the-field perspective is something that Bean and McDermott have legitimately talked about. Like it's a it's a real piece of the winning formula and it pays dividends on the field. And it's more than just X's and O's and execution, and I think that has to be taken into account for everything. There are guys, whether in the draft, whether free agency, who may be an ideal fit from a scheme fit, from a trait and a skill set fit, but if they're not a fit from a culture perspective, that's a big, big like box that is not ticked and it's not checked, and then they they don't come here. No. Like, that's a tremendous that's a tremendously important piece from her. And again, like the Stephon Diggs example is great. He was this guy who they deemed would be a culture fit and now he's like one of the unquestioned leaders of this team both on and off the field culture is a huge piece meanwhile the bills could have given up the same package of picks for antonio brown and look at what they would have inherited you know what's funny and yet the bills didn't force the issue on that trade no but maybe (laughs) there's a universe where i wonder if because of the bills culture antonio brown comes here and is what like Stefan Diggs is like See, if the culture makes him like better like that, that's was, the ultimate test. If, if this Put was, that evil on me. If this was Rick and Morty, I wish we could like portal gun to the por- to, to yes, the universe. Yes, do that with me to the universe where that exists. I want to go see what that looks like. Don't fuck with squirrels, Morty. <laughs> you don't fuck with squirrels, Morty. We gotta leave. This we gotta universe. leave. That's exactly what I'm thinking. You know, little boy. <laughs> Wait a minute. Can you hear us? Oh, we got a runner. We no, they're like we we got a do little. We got a do little. <laughs> Can that, can that boy hear us? Lauren, I love the fact that you're a fan of ours. I love the fact that you, your entire, what did I? Scott Mason of Play Like a Jet's jealous that we have female yeah, listeners. we have female listeners who know what they're talking about. It's hilarious. And you started it. You started it. I love this. So I'm glad that we could dress down this point. But going back to Russell in Denver. Five of the top ten quarterbacks, top eight quarterbacks in passing yardage in the AFC last year came from the AFC. Nine first round draft picks since 2018. So you've got young talent that's highly competitive in the AFC. Mm. You've got veterans that can that can do the job. Mm. Great quarterback play usually lends to wins. Mm. Quarterback wins aren't a stat though. So okay, according d- to Bruce, d- d- depending on who you ask. So there's there there exists this universe though where you look at the odds and we talked about you know, the, like look at this the action network commanders mm-hmm. the the Washington Commanders great team they trade <laughs> for, yeah right great team they trade for Carson Wentz and their Super Bowl odds go down <laughs> at plus three hundred and thirty to win the AFC Championship game next season mm. this is after the Russell Wilson trade. Uh-huh. 
Now, when people heard about it, there was a lot of people who looked at it and said, well, we're done. Nothing good could possibly come from this. The AFC just got harder. Oh, woe is us. We need to get in the on, in on the arms race uh-huh. that is the AFC. We need to make a big trade. We need, we need to also up the ante. Uh-huh. First of all, if our odds are getting better in Vegas, these guys get paid on handicapping. They make their mm-hmm. money off of knowing, like, listen, this team is the most equipped to take advantage of what they have in front of them. Uh-huh. So without any additions, pre-free agency, pre-draft, doesn't that shouldn't that make people feel better oh definitely i mean it, it it's the reason even when things were like when the wheels were falling off last year even when trey got hurt and the bills were losing these games they were still like an odds-on favorite one of the top three at all times to win the super bowl last year yeah i think that speaks to again what people the people who set the odds the people who have no horse in the race no pun intended and who look at things from an objective perspective they see what the bills are and who they can be oh for sure and when you take a look at the nfl like the nfl and the afc as a whole and you start to look at quarterback play you figure out why the bills odds went up you look at the afc east our quarterback is josh allen and what are we competing with in the afc east the new uh, Tom Brady. Tua? Yeah, the, yeah, the new Tom Brady. If that's new Tom Brady, I mean, is it Becky with the with Becky with the good hair? She left. Uh, this is Becky with the new hair. She's not good. That's the whole, like, we have, like, oh, <laughs> like, the kids, like, I want Tom Brady. And the parents, like, we have Tom Brady at home. We have Tom Brady at home. And you get home, it's like a burger on white bread. You're like, oh, no, that's what we have. And then Zach Wilson, who, uh, honestly, he got outplayed by Mike White last year. That's bad. Unless That's, unless Mike White is like the greatest quarterback in the world that we've never seen. <laughs> and everybody's getting outplayed by Mike White because he's the truth. Jesus Christ. Look at you try. <laughs> I, I'm not even going to go down this rabbit hole with you. Well, okay. What I will say is Josh Allen, the AFC East is a one quarterback division. You have one elite quarterback and everybody else is hoping they have one. Accurate. The AFC North, though, or like, first AFC South. No elite quarterback. Right now, the Colts don't have one. Sam Ellinger is penciled in as their starter. And everyone just went, who? Who the fuck are you talking about? Sam Ellinger. Davis Mills, Sam Ellinger, Trevor Lawrence, and Ryan Tannehill are the quarterbacks in the division. Now, we talked about this before the podcast. Mm-hmm. You, you, When you don't have a star quarterback, you look at the rest of the roster. Those are usually the teams that win. Mm. Right now, between those four teams, you have to say, with the Harold Landry re-signing and the fact that they have a healthy Derrick Henry, the Titans are probably going to dominate that division again, correct? Yes, I would I would pick them to win the AFC South right now. Okay, that, that's pretty fair. Mm-hmm. And if you're the Colts, nothing makes me happier than watching the Colts pat themselves on the back for trading away Carson Wentz for a pair of third-round picks. You, you spent a first-round pick to get him! Your GM does not get to pat himself on the back for this. That's like me clogging your toilet, Chris, <laughs> and then coming out to announce, hey, your shitter's full, but I fixed it. You don't get to brag about that. You should be ashamed. There should be a certain level of shame ascribed to what you just did. I've and lost yet- count of how many times that's actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> See, the difference is I don't tell you. I just do it, and then I leave. Damn. This took a dark turn. <laughs> this, but then you look at the two other divisions in the AFC, the North and, North and the West. Mm-hmm. This is where, for the Buffalo Bills, this takes a positive turn because 
look at the North. Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, Mason Rudolph. They're probably going to do something at quarterback. I mean, if they don't, they're dead men. But then it's a rebuild in Pittsburgh. But you've got three quarterbacks who, Baker Mayfield is not a world beater, but there's at least two, one who went to a Super Bowl mm-hmm. and one who was a former league MVP mm-hmm. in the same division. Mm-hmm. You are going to beat each other up. If, if, if everyone's healthy and the Ravens can rebuild that defense the way they want to, those two teams should cannibalize each other. The Ravens are going to be better than people think. Their whole team, especially defensively. They led the NFL in man games lost. They and they still injury last year. And they still almost made the play. And it wasn't even just like it wasn't even just like quantity of man games. It was the quality. Like the people who were going down, like their top two quarters, the corners, Lamar Jackson, Dobbins. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Their backup quarterback almost beat the almost beat the Redskins. It's just wild how Ronnie Stanley goes down. Like they had significant injuries and they still almost clawed themselves to a playoff spot. They're going to be significantly reinforced without doing anything just because of who's coming back, let alone the draft capital and what they do in free agency. And then, yeah, you've got the AFC representative from the Super Bowl last year. Like that's a dogfight in that division. No. And then you look at the West where Russell Wilson landed. Bloodbath. It's Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, Justin Herbert. Whoever thought, Chris, you used to call Derek Carr elite. He has been in a horrible situation. So imagine being a quarterback who led your team to the playoffs last year, and you're the worst quarterback in your division. That's insane. That's terrible. Derek Carr is a good quarterback. Thank you. The fact that he's the fourth best quarterback in his own division is not a knock against Derek Carr. It's a testament to how wild that division is. So my point to you before we started recording this show was that the AFC West is the Wild West. We're yeah. gonna, I'm going to call, call it that all season because there's no idea who's going to come out of that. They're going to eat each other, yeah. You can, make, you can legitimately make a case for I mean, even if you wanted to make the, a case the for The Chargers them. had to trade for Khalil Mack. Yeah. They were like, wait a minute. We not only have to chase around one elite quarterback who's mobile, we got to do another one? Fuck it. Let's go whole hog and get another D end. That, that combo's going to be wild. Mack and Bosa. And then you got Derwin James on the back end. Ooh. If he's healthy. Yeah, when it, true, yeah if, healthy, if, if and when he's healthy. Same thing for Bosa, if he's healthy as yeah. well. But yeah, that's the that's the huge point. Like The AFC, you know, like we talked about earlier, the AFC got better and tougher as a whole because of Russell Wilson's addition and because of Khalil Mack's addition now. But that AFC West just kind of dragged everybody down into, what, what did you say? They're going to cannibalize each other. They're going to cannibalize each other. Yeah. Because guess what? You run into a world where you go, listen, last year, the Broncos were one fumble at the 10-yard line that got returned for a touchdown away from beating the Chiefs at home, and the Bills would have been playing that game against the Chiefs at home. That's it. They got lucky on a fumble return for a touchdown, and that turns the game. If not, the Bills are playing that divisional round game against Kansas City here in Orchard Park. Yeah, I know. I can see you gritting your teeth, Anthony. I, I know it's fucking. It's it's unreal to think about it like that. I'm not. I'm not over it. But you're that. You're that close. The the Chiefs' balls were that close to the bandsaw. They <laughs> luckily got that home game, and they st- with 13 seconds left, we had the win. Now you add to a Broncos team that's been drafting wide receivers like crazy, mm-hmm. a star quarterback, mm-hmm. a star quarterback. He's going to use Jerry Judy. I'm sad they got rid of Noah Fant because Russell Wilson yeah. and Noah Fant could have set the world on fire. 
But they still got weapons galore. They have weapons galore. They've got a baller defense. Oh, Sertain was, as a rookie last year, was one of like the top 15 corners already. He's going to get better. Justin Simmons is already one of the best safeties. You got Bradley Chubb. Like, they got a squad yeah, in Denver. And so now what happens is you add a star quarterback to the mix and you go, well, there's two of us now. They're the only division in the AFC who has two legitimate star quarterbacks. Burrow, mm. I, you could argue, is there. His one injury shortened season, I think, kind of stunts that. Mm. These are guys who are bo- two Super Bowl winners. Mm-hmm. They're the only two in the AFC who have both won a Super Bowl. The only Super Bowl winning quarterbacks in the AFC. Oh. The only starting quarterbacks right now that have Super Bowl rings are in the AFC West. And they are going to go toe to toe twice a year. Yeah. That's to everyone else's benefit. And play the. The, the Chargers and then play the Raiders. Like, the Raiders are odd man out, but you know, the Raiders every year pull a couple out of their ass, like whether they beat Kansas City or they're going to beat, like, they could, all of these teams in the AFC West, we talked about it earlier, they all could legitimately split games with one another. Like, they all could just split their home and aways. Like, it, it, it's wild how deep that division is and how crazy it is. My nerdum of this whole Russ situation mm-hmm. applies to television. Okay. What is Fox doing at 425 now? <laughs> Fair. Fair. Check it out this Sunday, 425. We got Drew Locke, Seattle Seahawks, at Daniel Jones-led New York Giants. Come Nobody's see watching it. that. Yeah. Just, yeah, that's a rough Just out. run through your head right now the top quarterbacks in the NFC. Just through your head. Okay. Rodgers. Uh-huh. Stafford. Uh, in maybe fact, I have the list in front of me. Maybe Kyler Murray. Carson, I have the list in front of me. Uh, Carson, Carson Wentz. You've got yourself a Dak Prescott. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Prescott you got, Wentz. You've got yourself a Prescott. Matt Ryan. <laughs> Sam Darnold. How about this? Let me let me listen to the NFC North. Justin Fields, Jared Goff, Aaron Rodgers, and Kirk Cousins. Fields is kind of fun, though, but yeah, he's not like... We don't know what he's going to... Correct. We don't know what he's going to be. We've how got about a new this? system. In the how, NFC. how about this? In the NFC South, you have Matt Ryan with the with the Cardinals. Or Cardinals, Jesus Christ, the Falcons. Falcons also a bird. And they also have all of their opponents have no QB1. Yeah, that's wild. Carolina. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold by default, if you want to call him that. Well, you got to pay him. Yeah, you're yeah. going to have to pay him. So They already so, re-upped him. What so, are the, what are the, so what are the backup Saints? quarterback Sam Darnold. Uh, maybe Winston. Maybe Winston. And uh, Tampa Bay has Blaine Gabbert or Kyle Trask. Yeah. And I feel, Good. And I feel like Bruce Harris is going to quit. In like That's my point. He'll just quit. And just be like, guys, I, I I saw what I have to work with. I'm old. I don't, have the, I don't have the temperament to yell at these young kids anymore. And I'm if, out. Oh, and they, oh, they tagged Godwin, right? Uh, yes, they tagged Godwin. They did. Okay. I was going to say, if they had lost Kyle, that would have yeah. been even NFC worse. NFC has no more quarterbacks. Like, like, whoa, 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 whoa. The NFC West has Murray, Stafford, Garoppolo, and Locke. Or Trey, or Trey Lance. There Trey are no Lance, draws left. Lance. There's no draws left here in the NFC. The NFC South took such a drag. Like, two years ago, it was like, oh, my God, Brady and Breeze. And now it's like Matt Ryan and, no, and Sam Darnold. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Sam Darnold got shit on when he went to the, went to the Jets. He was terrible there and injury prone. And then everyone goes, oh, a change of scenery will help him. Nope. He started out good. Yeah. Like, I had him on a couple of... He, you know no, no. Is? He you started out is? good for Sam Darnold. You know By is? Sam Darnold's standards, he started out good. He was Fair. never great. No, you know uh, what it is? You take the NFC South and you remove 
uh, Breeze and Brady. It's like getting rid of Santana or Ortiz and then bringing in 2.0. Oh, exactly. Nobody wants that. Like, that's I'm such a downgrade from, you know, Pride Powerful. <laughs> it's just not the same. George is getting angry. <laughs> With what they've done, the original, like, how the NFC South was, like, a couple years ago, it was like original NWO. And now, all of a sudden, you've added these new quarterbacks, and you've just watered down the product. And it's just not, yeah, it's uh, like... It's, it's like bringing Jeff Jarrett into the NWO. <laughs> Oh, you, you, you nerds, you wrestling nerds are ruining my podcast. This is the Jared at WO. That's what it is. This has become the wrestling hour. This, this has become the wrestling hour featuring Drew Gear. I, I wanted, I want to have five more beers and throw most of them at the wall. So in, to kind of wrap this conversation up, when you look at the landscape of the AFC, the Bills Super Bowl odds got better. Like everyone was lamenting, oh my god, the, the everyone has to respect the Broncos. The Bills better make a splash move. Our odds got better because he's here, because it removed one of the biggest obstacles to us making it to the Super Bowl, which mm-hmm. is Kansas City. Now the thing is, you tell me all about Denver being legitimate. Mm. That's fine, mm-hmm. but I, I, we don't see Denver. Mm-hmm. This year in the regular season until the playoffs. So I'll worry about that when it happens, when we're the one seed. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we see Kansas City in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. I have to worry about them having a game in hand against us. Mm-hmm. I don't want that mattering at the end of the year. So I like the fact that there's another elite team now in their confer- in their division that can beat them up and maybe drive their record down another peg or two when it comes time to match everything up at the end of the season. It was a conversation last year with, like, when the Aaron Rodgers rumors were happening to Denver on draft day. It was like, yep. what happens if he goes there? For, for for the panel here, for us here, power rank your top five teams in the AFC as of right now. Granted, things are going to change, free agency, draft, all that. Who are your top five AFC teams right now? I'm going to say Kansas City because you, if you want to be the man, you got to be you the going, man. Are you going from one to five? Yes, one to five. Yeah, one to five. Kansas City, because if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man, and we haven't beaten the man. Mm-hmm. Um, the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say probably the Baltimore Ravens. Okay. Because they're they're well coached and they're a threat. Mm-hmm. But I'd put the Broncos right there behind them at five. You need another. And you need another. Need, oh, wait, Broncos need, are four. So four, and if I need a fifth one... God, I the Bengals. You have okay. to. They went to the Super Bowl, but they're also going to hemorrhage players in free agency this year. Who knows who they're keeping, who they're losing, whether the roster's the same. I don't know. Okay. Bills, or no, I'll go Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, Broncos, Chargers. Ooh. I'm very similar to you. I'm Chiefs are my one. I'm very much, I'm not a Ric Flair fan, but I love the motto, to be the man, you got to beat the man. KC one, Bills two. I could flip-flop. Baltimore or Denver is the three, but Baltimore coming back healthy, I'm going to say Baltimore three, Denver four, and the Bengals five. See? Potentially could be the Chargers at five. Herbert's only going to get better. They yeah, but they have a lot of holes like that people don't talk <laughs> about. Like, yeah, Herbert's going to fill them with his help. arm. He could. He's throwing dimes. He's got a rocket. But that like that's. And also their coach doesn't believe in field goals, which, as we were joking, so we have a group chat yeah. because he produces uh, the podcast. I'm uh, not in. I'm not in any 
group he, chat. With, we on Twitter are in a group chat. Oh, on with, Twitter, with I see. Reed and Blake. Yep. Who you produced the After the Snap podcast? Reed and Blake Ferguson talking long snapper life, talking special teamer life, mm-hmm. talking about baseball, college football, life oh, in general stuff. Okay. So he produces their podcast, and we have a group chat. And I, in the middle of that game, in the middle, not the end, in the middle of that game, I kind of just messaged both of them and said, as long snappers, is it offensive that Brandon Staley doesn't think that kicking field goals is important? Mm. And they were like, you should kick field goals sometimes. <laughs> and then you, I want a shirt that says that. You should kick field goals sometimes. And then when you watch the game go to overtime and them lose the way that they lost. There you go, man. They never touched the football in overtime. They lost the same way the Bills did. They never touched the ball. They went down the field. Travis Kelsey scores a game-winning touchdown, and that's the end. That's all she wrote. You lose in overtime. You don't make the playoffs. So with that mm-hmm. in mind... Maybe you should have kicked a fucking field goal somewhere in there in one of the five fourth downs that you went for it. Oh, my God. I think it was seven. They I went don't for it remember. seven times on fourth down. It was obnoxiously large to the to the point that it was just like, again? Again, like you're going for it on fourth it. down? Yeah. Yeah. And you're not going to get it every time. No. And those are, that, that's a dice roll. That's, that's playing the probabilities. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a thing that haunts the Chargers and, unfortunately, holds Justin Herbert back. From victories. Think about how many games he could have won and how many playoff appearances they might have made if he just kicked fucking field goals. They could have made the playoffs this year if he just kicked some fucking field it's goals. It's funny how where Chargers fans are now where they're just like, oh, we should have kicked more field goals. Where last year, Bills fans were all like, we need to go for it more. We need to go for it. Too uh, many field goals. But well, you know why? Because we got a kicker. And then we started sinking 50-yard field goals, and we were like, well, we should start going for it time. more because now it's now it's only three points. But Which just proves how spoiled we are. We are in a golden age of Buffalo Bills football, and we're all sitting around bitching on the internet Tiny about nitpick. things that... A, a decade ago, we would have murdered someone in public for. I would have defecated on the front porch of a <laughs> lot of people if you told me that in in reward, I could have this football team in broad daylight. <laughs> wow. Broad daylight. Okay. <laughs> I love how Anthony's thrown by this. <laughs> no, I, it makes sense. It all adds up. But and again, that's that. It's such a fine line. Like, the difference between, like, going for it or kicking a field goal, all these things... Going it, for it in a trade or not going for literally, it? Literally, it's such a... That's why that, that uh, Al Pacino speech in any given Sunday is so perfect and apropos for football, the, the game of inches speech, because like, it literally is, but it's more than just inches on the field. Like It's off the field. It's transactions. It's the moves you make. It's the moves you don't, what you avoid, how you stay healthy, who you match up against at what time, how your roster is constructed. It's such a fine line, and... We're going to see what the Bills do over the next week or so as we hit free agency because they've got some moves that they can make that may not be sexy and may not be splash moves, but they've got some moves that can move the needle. And they don't need to move the needle a ton because they're already one of the best teams in the entire league given the odds, given the personnel, the roster construction, the projection. Man, it's a good time to be a Bills fan, but it's also extremely stressful. (laughs) (laughs) Guys. I think we got to get out of here for tonight. Thank you to everybody who showed up. Guys, I want to hear more out of you, the listeners. You tune in and I love it. I just want to know what you think about most topics. Don't be shy. Hmm. I know I'm a jerk. 
but I'm an inclusive jerk. I like to drag other people into this nonsense. So feel free to show up every single week. We're going to do it on what, Chris? Wednesdays and Thursdays? Allegedly. Allegedly. Throughout the course of the next couple weeks. And throughout the course of the summer, because at this point, what is content creation? I don't even know anymore. Yeah. I'm still waiting <laughs> for you to get good at it. Wow. <laughs> wow. Listen, this is this is why I love this guy. Guys, we got to get out of here for tonight. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger. That's Anthony Prohaska. And this has been the Rock Power Report Live. Sounds like a good bird of the year. I'm waiting for you to get 